The new intro of the Wannabe Entrepreneur Podcast. Or not. Oh, I swear. Please, please do not pause just yet. I promise that this episode will get better. Welcome. Welcome to another Wannabe Entrepreneur. I hope you had a lovely, lovely week. Mine was good, good. The mixture of cool and good, good. Because it was um, Easter weekend and I was with my family, everyone together, very relaxing and it was really good. It was nice to disconnect. I hope you also had a great um, Easter. I don't know if you celebrate that, but at least I hope you had a great weekend. And in today's episode, to be honest, I'm, I'm not quite sure what I I want to say because I was just reading my notes here and there are no notes, no notes. But yeah, definitely a lot of interesting stuff happening here in the past days. And you know that most of them are connected with pod squeeze, obviously. And uh, I'm sorry if I'm getting a little bit too predictable or boring to you because I'm only speaking about pod squeeze, but that's basically what's mostly going on in my life recently, but I can promise you that there's always exciting things going on, right? Now we are in this phase where we want to scale this product from something cool that seems to be having a lot of engagement to a proper company, a company that will pay me and João a salary, a company that will scale up and a solid, mature product. So I want to share that with you and I want to share what we are trying and what is working and what is not working. So yeah, that will be mostly the gist of today's episode and probably will be a short one, but I don't know. Let's, let's just get started and then we'll see. Alright, let's talk about Product Hunt. And in the community, in the WB community, one of our members, Bopa, was asking about what is the real impact of a Product Hunt launch. Because he launched, actually he launched in the same day as me, um, when we launched Pod Squeeze. And he was saying that, yeah, it was good, he got a few users coming to the website, but the effort probably didn't pay off. The results. It it didn't um, it didn't get that much out of this launch. And he was asking me and, and the other members of the community what did we think about it? Is it actually worth it to launch on Product Hunt? And bear in mind that his result was I believe 13. I think he was on top 20, but he was not on top five. So from my own experience, I have done a lot of launches on Product Hunt, and I can tell you that I've been definitely in the lower end and now I've been also in the upper end so I, and also in the middle, I guess. So I have a pretty good idea what are the consequences and the impact of your product on launches. And my, my first launch, I don't know if you remember, but the first time I launched on Product Hunt, uh, first of all, I didn't know anything about launching on Product Hunt. I didn't know that you had to launch in a particular time. I did not know that you need to have an audience. So I would just go there, sign up and add my product and launch. And obviously you can understand what happened, right? So I think the first time I launched the community on, on PH, I got 
six upvotes or something. So <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Like I think that if you would try, you wouldn't be able to only get six upvotes. That's how bad that launch was. Then after a few months and probably understanding how to do a launch on uh, Product Hunt and raising my audience and, and getting more people to support me, I relaunched the community and uh, I got on top five. I think it was like f- fifth position or four, fourth position. And there is already a huge difference from being in the lower end of Product Hunt and top five. If you are in the lower end, like, Forget about it. You won't have any traffic. Is is like you never existed, really. Like people cannot even search for you on Product Hunt because you you are not in the featured. So basically, when you launch, you go to the news section, and then if you get, I think, top five, you get into the feature section where people can actually search for your product after afterwards. In this case, you don't even get in the feature section, so people wouldn't even search and be able to find the WB community on Product Hunt. Then if you get on top five, that's a completely different deal because, first of all, it means that you get a badge, you get a Product Hunt badge, and that's really good because it gives you this social validation. You can add the badge to your website and people will be like, okay, you know, this this product is for real. This product is for real because they were in Product Hunt and they got a lot of upvotes. And then, obviously, you get a lot of traffic. You get a lot of traffic from Product Hunt if you are on the top five when people... During the whole launch day, people will go to Product Hunt and obviously, you know, like you never scroll more than, I guess, the 10th place. So if you are in top five, people will see you and everything. And I can tell you that the impact was good and I got a lot of traffic and I, I got a lot of brand awareness for the community on top five. But I, I think I got zero conversion, really, like I made zero money from my uh, product on launch, even when I was on top five. When I launched the Indie Lottery afterwards, and keep in mind that this was the Indie Lottery before Zhuang's design, so it was really ugly, but really worked really well. And I think it was also top four, top five, or something like this. And the conversion was great. I got a lot of people signing up because of that, and I got a lot of validation, and it was good to understand if people would like the product or not. Now, there's also a huge difference between top five and top three. And that difference is huge, and I can attest for that after having uh, position number two with Pot Squeeze. First of all, let me tell you something that I've learned from these launches that you sh- I think everyone should follow. The idea, you know, it's, it's called product on launch, so there's this mistaken idea that you should release a product, so you, you build your product, and once it's available for everyone to see, you just you should immediately launch it on Product Hunt because that should be your first launch, your first point of contact with your users. But that's not true. That's not true because you don't get a lot of launches, right? It's actually very different. If you if you think about marketing and launching new features, the approach is very different. I really believe that we should launch a feature as fast as possible. Obviously, it needs to be working. But even if it's just a little iteration, a color change or something, just launch it and test it as fast as possible. With marketing, being that a tweet, a launch, whatever, 
that you should take more time, more consideration, because you cannot just release one second afterwards an update, right? If you release a feature and if it's not working or the call is not working or you just release a bug, you can just roll back in the next minute, right? No problem. If you release on Product Hunt and for some reason things were not aligned, you cannot just release in the next minute or in the next day or maybe even in the next month. You need to wait three, four months. So make sure that that's perfect. Make sure that that's actually working for you. So what I normally do is I do a soft launch. I get the product, I launch it around, I share it with my friends, I share it on Twitter, I share it on Reddit, I get a lot of traffic and I use that to tune the product. With that I mean, I make sure that the whole user flow works fine, that people understand the product, and I I try to understand if actually this product is solving the problem, and then I also think, what is my goal, right? With the Indie Lottery, my goal was to get signups. With PodSqueeze, my goal was to get paying clients. So I need to make sure that the conversion rate for that is already optimized, because when you launch on Product Hunt, if everything goes well, if you get top five or top two or, or first place, you'll get tons of traffic. So it would be a waste, a huge waste, not to have all these processes optimized because you'll get a lot of traffic into your website, but then if the conversion is not good, if the process is not optimized, you will lose all of this traffic and you won't get it back. So I always do the, the soft launch first and I make sure that everything is working fine and everything is optimized. And then I think it was after one month of doing this, then I decided or we decided to launch on Product Hunt. And top two, it's a huge, huge difference. I can tell you that when I was on top five with the community, so position fourth, we got maybe a thousand people coming to the website, even less. Actually, I think it was like 400. So in the day of the launch, we got like around 400 people coming and then you still get some traffic coming for the next week. So maybe in total, let's say 800 people came to the community, to the website. With top two, so position two, it's a whole different story, really. I also think that the product, uh, Pod Squeeze, is getting much more traction in the community. So there's a whole virality to it and, and people really like it and they'll share it around. But I think so far, we are still getting traffic from Product Hunt. It's been two weeks. We are still getting traffic because... First of all, during the launch, we got around 2,000 people coming to the website or so because we are above the folder. The fold, I mean, not the folder. We are above the fold. So when you open Product Hunt and you see the products of the day, you don't have to scroll to see our product there. I think after three, so if you are in fourth or fifth, you actually already have to scroll down. So that's like people are lazy. I'm telling you, people are lazy. So a lot of people won't scroll down. So that being above the fold is already a huge boost in the number of people that actually see your product. Then besides that, in the next day, Product Hunt will get your product and share in the newsletter. For us, they also shared us on uh, LinkedIn and on Twitter. So this and I, that never happened before with being on top four with the community. So I can only assume that they are doing this because you are in the top three. So this brings an extra boost of users. And then after a week, they released this again or they shared on their newsletter, the email newsletter. And now they, I'm super excited about this. Actually, once I stop recording this, I will uh, head to Joan's place because we are going to record a video 
Product Hunt approaches and said, hey, do you want to record a video of you two basically sharing how you came up with PodSqueeze, how you built it, and we are going to share it on our social media. They are actually going to do this for us. So I'm very excited because it's more traffic and I can tell you that I think it's hard to connect the customers you are getting with Product Hunt directly, but more than a thousand MRR for sure. We got more than a thousand MRR from uh, Product Hunt. So yeah, there's a huge difference between being in top two or first place. I've never been in first place. I can assume that first place is even better. But there's a huge difference between being in the lower end and in top five. And then there's a huge difference between top five and top two. That I can tell you. And if you are going to do a launch, it's you better like do it properly. You better having an audience that can support you and a flow that actually works. So, yeah, a lot of the, our traffic for um, PodSquid is coming from Product Hunt, at least for now. We do know that this will end. And it's, it's funny because at the moment, just for you to understand, this is crazy. This is crazy. Just for me to share this, I, it's hard. Sometimes I have to pinch myself. But we are now over $3,000 MRR. And it's growing every day. So I my predictions is that by the end of this week, we'll be in 4000 and by the end of the month, we'll be around five to 7,000 MRR, which is crazy. Obviously, that this means that this will have to keep on growing and our churn needs to be reduced. So, so far, we are only doing this for a month and a half. So I, I'm, I have no idea if our churn will be big or small, if people will just drop or not. I don't know. So I cannot really make estimations and, and predictions about how much money we'll be making in the end of the year. But assuming that people will stay, let's say, 10 months or so, things are, are going well. Things are going really, really well. It's funny because myself, my approach here is that I am very positive. I like to enjoy the moment. It's really hard for me to stay shut and not to say everyone what's, what's going on. So I am sharing this with my family, with my friends, because I'm so excited and I want to enjoy it. And after two years of struggling, being able to kind of see a future for my indie projects is something that really excites me. João is completely the opposite. He's very, um, I don't want to say pessimistic, he's more like cautious. So he's like, yeah, things can still go bad. We still don't know. Let's make sure. And I was like, no, João, come on, let's celebrate. You know, I know that things can go bad. I I know that chances of us succeeding and actually having a product that will sustain the rest of our lives is real, are really low, but let's enjoy it. You know, let's be realistic, let's work hard, but let's enjoy it and, and not be pessimistic because I also think that, that might also affect your business, right? You might not take certain risks or certain decisions because you are assuming that they won't work, right? So... Yeah, it, it's actually um, an interesting approach that he has and I have. They are somehow um, complementary, maybe, because I tend to fly really high and it keeps me grounded. But sometimes I think that we should always be a little bit more optimistic, but still obviously realistic and really have uh, an objective and rational vision. So what are we doing for Pod Squeeze? What have been our ideas? 
After doing the initial launch and validation of the product, which I think now the product is definitely validated and we have product market fit and we understand this and that's really amazing. Now we are thinking, how can we take this to the next level? And there are a few challenges. Uh, we keep getting a lot of feedback from our users. That's a must for me. I don't want to build the product just for myself. I want to build the products for our customers. So we're always super fast in answering emails and answering our support chat. I actually think that this is a, a factor that differentiates us from our competitors because funny enough, when you think about SaaS and online businesses, you think about you are using something from someone you don't know, a very distant company that are really unapproachable. And that's true for companies like Amazon or Google, or actually Amazon is not like this. Amazon, they are always there. If you have a doubt or a problem, they will always get back to you. So scratch Amazon out of this list. But yeah, Google and a lot of other companies that you try to reach eBay, for instance, oh my God. If you try to reach them, they won't answer and they will not be useful. But actually, what I've been experiencing with BotSqueeze is quite the opposite. I feel that I'm having this uh, lifestyle business that I have this coffee from the neighborhood and I know everyone because I'm always there in the chat. And if people send me messages, they already know my name. They say, hey, Tiago, can you help me out with this or something? So I really get to connect with everyone. And it feels that even though... I'm having clients from all around the world. You know, I'm, I'm chatting with people from the US, from New Zealand, from UK, uh, from Africa, um, all around all the continents. It feels that they are somehow very close. We are all neighbors in this uh, world of the internet. So it's really cool because I get to speak with everyone. And I, I believe that, at least in my own experience as a user, when I know who is creating the product and I know they are approachable and I know that they are there for the users and to help me, it gives me more trust and confidence that I can use this product and I can bet on this product, right? Because we have a lot of B2B, we have a lot of agencies and if they trust us, this is a differentiator, right? They will prefer using us than our competitors, even if the prices are a bit higher or if uh, some of some portions of the product are not as good, that's a differentiator. So I've been talking with a lot of users. I'm getting a lot of feedback shown as well. And uh, we are basically prioritizing based on how often people mention a specific feature. So if uh, different users mention the same stuff, right? They mention the same problems that we need to solve or something, we tend to prioritize it more. Now, what are we focusing on, right? As I just told you, the product is validated, product market fit, we have these features, but there are also some problems, right? Because even though we have 3000 MRR, we have a lot of costs, really, really high costs. And our main cost is our Rev API. So it's the API we use to transcribe our, um, our podcast, our audio into text. It's really expensive. It's really expensive. We, at the moment, we are paying around two cents per minute, which is a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot, I know, but in scales of hundreds, not, yeah, we are reaching tens of thousands of minutes per month. That's a lot. So it's it's really taking a lot of our money. And, and bear in mind that a lot of our 
um, traffic is free. We have the free account, which I like it and it's working and gives the chance for people to test it. But at the same time, it's taking a lot of money from our bank account. So our goal has been to find providers that are able to give better pricing. For that, we are scheduling a lot of business meetings. It's really interesting. It feels very corporate, but then when they um, pop up on the other side of the camera, they see two guys just chilling with normal clothes. No one is wearing a suit. We are just in our houses. Our My background is always so messy, to be honest. I think people will be like, hey, we are these guys. But yeah, it's cool because everyone is really approachable and we are able to get really cool prices. So we are scheduling a lot of meetings and in the end, we'll pick one and try to get the best pricing. And, and to be honest, uh, again, a differentiated factor for me will be having someone that seems excited to have us as a client and seems approachable. Someone that if we have a problem going on, I can just pick up the phone, I'll send a message, and I know that I will have an answer back in in a short amount of time. So that will be a, a factor for me. And besides that, obviously, the price and how, um, how well the... Um, the product performs, the transcription performs. Yeah, so that's that's one of the focus for us, something that we've been working on. Another focus is how to expand our sales team without actually hiring people. Because at the moment, we are mostly focused on the US market and the English-speaking market, not because we choose to, just because it's easier. The whole website is in English, and to be honest, the product works better with English than other languages. So... With Product Hunt, with all of our launches, the US and, and the English-speaking markets are the ones that are mostly using our product. But I believe that I want to expand to other markets because in the other markets is where, as well, a lot of the product and, and, the, and the, um, the business is. So how do we get there, right? It's not easy because they do not speak English. I mean, they do speak English, but it's not their preferred language. So when they search for convert podcast to show notes on Google, they won't search in English. So our website won't be there. One one option, and probably we'll do that in the future, is to translate to the website to all these other languages. That's a pain. I can tell that's a huge pain. I used to do that with Trivago. And just in Europe... There's so many languages, so many different languages. Obviously, that we can start with the most spoken languages, right? We can go to Spanish, we can go to Mandarin, we can go to Arabic, and then later on go to, I don't know, Hungary and Hungarian, Hungary, <laughs> Hungarian and um, other languages that have less speakers. But still, it's a lot of work. Another option for us is to have sales representatives. People that speak the language and know the market and they can basically reach out to agencies and podcasts in their own native language and they can assure that the product works for their language. And our way to do that is by using the affiliates. For the ones that do not know, if, if it's funny because if you are an old listener, you know that the affiliate model was actually my first business model when I first launched change it, the, the product that uh, basically started this whole indie adventure. Uh, and back then, I would be actually an affiliate. The idea is that I would have a, a store where I would share products, and if people would buy this product, I would get a commission. Now I am in the other side of the table. I am actually giving, paying the money to people. 
So we set up our affiliate infrastructure. We send emails to everyone and we already got a lot of people signing up, which is cool. But we are still not having a lot of affiliates coming through our network or a lot of uh, referrals rather coming from our network. And I've been thinking, how can I keep these people engaged? Because one thing that is really interesting is that online products, as we were just mentioning, if you just share your website and you get a few customers and they are using your website for a few months, that's great because they know your website exists and they know that uh, it's there and they can use it. But then if they have no contact with the website or the website owners, they will kind of forget about it, especially if you have competitors that are reaching out to them. They'll be like, okay, they don't have any attachment to the website, right? So again, going back to the customer support, that's why customer support is so important because you are putting a face into the product. But you need to somehow keep triggering these users to come to your website and to keep them motivated. One way to do that, one way that I have some experience with and I know other companies have done it is through communities. So one of my ideas is to create another community all around podcasters and as well around our affiliates so that they can help each other and they can connect good vibes and good things to our product. And by doing so, we can also have a really good idea of what are the biggest challenges of our community, of the podcasting market, and at the same time, we can keep them engaged and connect them with our product. So that will be another idea. Maybe create a community just for the whole users and a specific group for our affiliates where we can just say, hey, Affiliate X just made another sale. Hey, this, we just paid our affiliates and they're making this amount of money and get them excited. And that way, kind of build a sales team, even though we are not paying them a salary or just paying them commissions. So... That's my idea. That's our idea for the affiliates. At the same time, we've been working on a lot of features. It's funny because last week was kind of a pain because one of the features we wanted to work on is to find a way to always apply the tuning prompt. So just a quick, um, a quick explanation. So after you get the results, so you put your episode, you get the results, but then... Obviously, these results are not personalized for every voice. So people just want to tune a little bit the voice or they want to tune a little bit the content and they can use GPT for it. They can write down a GPT query and that will basically run that query on top of the results. The issue is that every time you upload a new episode, you need to write down that query again. And that's really annoying. And especially for people like me that are lazy that's kind of a deal breaker. So what we wanted to do is to somehow make sure that this query would be always applied to that specific episode. That seems easy, right? That's what I thought. That's what I told Joan. Yeah, that's easy. We can make it that happen. But then I was kind of coding it and I realized that there's a lot of things that wouldn't make sense. And the first, first one would be, okay, we write that query, we save it, we apply it every time. But what if it works for the first episode, but it doesn't work for the second episode. You know, GPT is kind of unpredictable in that sense. So is it possible to roll back? And how do we explain this to the user? Because one thing is to make the functionalities. Another thing is to make the functionalities in a way that people actually understand how to use them. So that got me a lot of anxiety. It's like, oh my God, I'm always 
thinking about how to make it, I'm going to bed and thinking about it, I'm doing everything and I can only think on how can I solve this problem. So that part kind of raised a little bit of anxiety. So in the end, we decided to, instead of always apply that query, we just sort them. And if you save them, once you open that episode, you can see the queries that you have saved and you can just select them. That way, you still have to do some extra work, but you don't have to always write it down. So I think that that would be a good solution. But at the same time, we also realized that we wanted to apply this to all the episodes from a specific podcast. If you have 50 podcasts, they will need probably different queries. So to do that, we need to cluster all these queries per podcast. I think I'm, I'm getting maybe a little bit too specific. Anyways, what I wanted to say is that a feature that I thought it would take me one or two days to develop ended up taking more than a week. And we do did a whole re refactoring of the database and the way you manage your dashboard. So it was a bit stressful because I was really focusing on that. But that's released and now you can actually use it on the product. And I'm quite happy with the results. So now we released it. We sent an email to everyone saying that this is available. And now it's just about monitoring and getting the feedback and making sure that everything is working fine. Yeah, that's basically it. I, I have nothing else to say uh, to you. I um, Regarding my other projects, the community is still there. It's still working. I'm obviously not focusing as much on it, but we have the coffees. We are just chatting there. It's still a place, a comfortable place to be. And I still rely a lot on this community, even for my products. So it's something that I'm really still passionate about. I really enjoy this. I still enjoy this podcast. I'm I'm always looking for sponsors as well to monetize it. So if you want a sponsor, if you want me to speak about your indie product, send me a DM on Twitter, WBTiago. Or if you want to just support this podcast, you can become a member of the community. It's only $10 per month, very cheap. And you get very, very cheap. <laughs> what I'm saying. Anyways, um, <laughs> you, know the, you know this? One pound fish, very, very cheap. You know, uh, I don't know if you know this. If you don't, just go on YouTube and, and search for one pound fish. And it's really funny. Anyways, yeah, it's very cheap. And uh, you can support this podcast and meet other makers from all around the world. And uh, the links will be in the show notes. And now I need to go because Juan is waiting for me. I told him that I would be there one hour ago. And we are going to record some videos for Product Hunt. This was another wannabe entrepreneur. See you next time. By the way, I totally forgot to share this, but since Elon decided to change the Twitter logo to the Doge Dog logo, I created a plugin that actually replaces and reverts this change, and I launched it on Product Hunt. I didn't do any publicity, but we still got around like 40 upvotes, and people really liked it. I know that he since then reverted back, so there's no more Doge logo, but it was a fun project. <laughs>